right, everyone. Welcome into Without a Mic podcast, the podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, industry updates, and life topics. Uh, today we have sort of a little bonus episode. We just got to talking, and there's so much going on in the movie industry and entertainment industry right now that Spencer and I really just wanted to hone in and talk about some of these things that have been coming up. Um, so consider this a bonus episode. We've just released Coda this week, um, so check that out if you haven't listened to it yet. But this is sort of us just going through, talking about some exciting things going on. Uh, so let's get into it. Yeah, I feel like this is kind of the hottest segment, or not hottest segment, but hottest time for movies, right? You have the the big awards. We just had the SAG Awards. You have the Oscars next week. So there's a lot going on, and I feel like, you know, <laughs> we can list these off and then talk about them, but, you know, you have all the things happening with Star Wars. You have all the things happening with Dune 2. You have all the things happening with Oppenheimer. You have Deadpool 3. Like, there are so <laughs> many things, and so I don't even know where to start, but I say... Let's start with Star Wars. That's kind of a big topic right now. I feel like there's been a lot over the past two days, literally. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that we just got the release of the Obi-Wan Kenobi teaser trailer, which, in my opinion, looks like it's going to be the best TV series that Star Wars has produced. But, you know, once again, they also have the biggest pressure to do Mm -hmm. something really, really well. So, I'm excited. Yeah, so what have you got on Star Wars? Because I know there's a couple things... um yeah, so yeah. So, so just recently, so Samuel L. Jackson, I learned about this today. Samuel mm-hmm. L. Jackson, who portrayed Mace Windu in the first three films, so the prequels, uh, right. one, two, and three, um, he's actually like dying to get back into the universe. So I read that he's actually been trying to persuade Bryce Dallas Howard, who's a director for many of the Mandalorian films, and I believe a couple of the Boba Fett um, yep. episodes, and he's been trying to persuade her to like write mace windu back in he's like i fully believe that mace windu survives from that fall in episode three he's like it's logical look at what happens in star wars everybody loses their arms and then they come back with mechanical body parts so why can't i come back and so i mean i think it's honestly a huge testament to the star wars franchise because in my opinion you know back in 99 and 2002 and 2005 when the prequels came out i feel like people kind of looked at the actors as a joke who who like kind of took part in those so Liam Neeson, Ewan McGregor, Mace Windu, you know, Hayden Christensen. It was almost, not Mace Windu, sorry, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> they, <laughs> they were almost seen as like, like not serious for being in these roles. And now it's almost like Marvel where it's iconic to be a part of this franchise again. So I'm intrigued. I mean, do you think we'll see Mace Windu make an appearance back in a Star Wars? Well, I mean, he's got a great argument because Ray Park... Uh, well, Darth Maul came back in the Clone Wars animated series, and he got literally cut in half. So, I mean, if he can come back from that, and, you know, obviously Luke Skywalker's lost a hand, um, Anakin lost multiple limbs, so he's got a good argument there. You know, we definitely can't count him out for only losing a hand. Um, I believe in the books, uh, or at least in Star Wars canon, um, he did survive that fall. So, you huh. know... Um, there's actually a story where, um, and I don't know if this is still canon, but Darth Vader's hand actually gets found and someone tries to use that to recreate him, you know, long after he had passed away. So a uh, lot of weird what? stuff. Yeah, that's actually a story. I think it's called The Hand of I... Vader. Um, it's a book. <laughs> uh, well, but there's... This, this is the power of Disney, right? Because it's been, right. since, May, since Samuel L. Jackson has been in Star Wars, it's been, what, 17 years 
I believe so. Now out of nowhere, because Disney has bought it, and it's now one of the you know it's already been one of the biggest franchises, but now once you're a part of Disney, you are the major franchise. And now everybody wants to come back. I mean, Emo McGregor, when he was approached for the Obi-Wan project, he was like, yeah, let's do it. It's like, okay, Hayden but Christensen, in the last 17 years, you know, where were you? You know, why didn't we think about making this, you know, over the past almost two decades? So I think it's intriguing. It's definitely a huge testament to not only Star Wars, but to Disney and the power that they have to really market a product and to make it appealing again. I mean, Marvel is at the top of the game. It's literally what DC is looking at as like, a goal to like become as a film franchise or a film studio. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to take, you know, in regards to star Wars. Yeah. And I mean, as far as, you know, obviously we've seen the book of Boba Fett get made and that was an obscure character with not a lot of backstory, at least in the movies. And for that to be made into a TV show. And I know a lot of people had issues with the, the show. We did a review on that. So you can definitely check out our, our review of the book of Boba Fett, but so many people watched it. Uh, So many people watch The Mandalorian and you kind of have this contrast of you have movies like Rogue One and uh, the book of Boba or the the Mandalorian, which are original ideas, right? There's not there's no crossover. There's no well, there was some crossover, but the main characters and and actors in that story were all new to us. And then you have, you know, Han Solo, the movie, you've got uh, some throwback in the new trilogy. And then you've got the book of Boba Fett, which are using characters from the original Star Wars, and they've both been successful, right? You know, critical or not of which side you're on, you know, if you're like, bring us back new characters, bring us back, you know, old characters, you know, I think everyone in general is enjoying Star Wars, and I think Obi-Wan was such a safe, perfect bet. I think the only thing that could be potentially as interesting is if they do like a Yoda origin story, where they show what happens to Yoda too, you know, that I'm sure there's someone thinking about that. Um, or a Darth Vader show, like Darth Vader's this feared, super iconic villain of all time, but you never really see him being menacing except for that one short scene in Rogue One, and it sounds like they're trying to do that. I know uh, the director for um, the Kenobi uh, show had basically been told, yeah, they wanted to bring in Ray Park, they had brought him in to be Darth Maul, um, and they cut that out because they were challenged by Disney or... Uh, it might have been Dave Filoni, it might have been Disney, who basically said, go bigger. You know, like, Ray Park's oh, nice yeah. as Darth Maul, but go yep. bigger. And so they're like, let's do Anakin, let's do Darth, or, let's do Darth Vader, Hay- Hayden Christensen. You know, let's make it make it what people want. So that gives me hope, because I know they've done rewrites and, and kind of shuffled it around. Uh, I think, I agree, I think Kenobi will be the best thing they've done so far since rebooting Star Wars with Disney. Uh, so I have high hopes for that. Um, but there's definitely a lot going on in the Star Wars universe right now. There's other series that haven't even come out yet that have been announced. You've got Squadrons, you know, the Bad Batch has come out. I, um, there's so many different things going on. So definitely an exciting time if you're a Star Wars fan and, and definitely the biggest, most valuable, iconic franchise ever. Yeah, I mean, to your point, it's kind of crazy how big of an impact John Favreau has because I actually believe he's the one it was him and somebody else, and maybe the other person it was Dave was, Filoni. Um, oh, Dave Filoni. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. So they were both the ones that said, "No, go bigger." Yeah. And I think a big part of it as well, from what I read, 
was this series was a lot darker. Um, it was, and rightfully so. I mean, this is literally one of the worst times to be Obi-Wan Kenobi and a Jedi. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking of the end of episode three, the Jedi are literally being hunted until all of them are killed. Right. And so they made the, they made the series a little bit darker, a little bit more menacing. And they were like, they, they used a the word hope. It needs to be more hopeful. Like it mm -hmm. needs to be more, not like lighter, but it just needs to be hopeful. And so what do you do? You bring back the the one character that you kind of tried to move away from, and that's the Skywalker family. And so <laughs> right. everything's kind of wrapped around Luke Skywalker. You know, it's funny because you see him in the teaser trailer and instantly you're like, oh my God, okay. Like this is the focal point of the series is like protecting Luke because he's the hope. Um, but to your point, I actually have some notes regarding the Darth Maul situation because like you said, he was originally written in um, as the original antagonist. Now, Lucasfilm has come out and completely denied all of these reports, which of by course. the way, when I say all of these reports, there are many reports. It's not like one, it's, there's many. So they came out and said that it's not, you know, it, it wasn't going to happen. Crazy enough, Ray Park portrayed Darth Maul in 1999. That's the last time, I mean, he did portray him back in, what was it? Was it 2017 in uh, Solo? Yeah, he did. Briefly. He did portray him at the end of Solo, very, very briefly. No action scenes or anything, um, but he was actually seen on set doing scenes. Now these, these, you know, it wasn't depicted whether these were like test scenes or if these were stunt scenes. But there is a possibility that he might make a cameo. And I was watching a video today um, regarding the series of Obi Wan Kenobi, and the the sound. I believe it's at the beginning of the intro, whether it's the beginning of the entire tr uh, teaser or the beginning of the intro of like Lucasfilm going across. Um, it was the same sound that was originally introduced in Phantom of the Menace in the first one when you see Darth Maul. And so I'm like, huh, this, they might be kind of throwing a little bit of Easter eggs out there, um, but I would love to see him. I mean, he's arguably um, Obi-Wan Kenobi's biggest foe. Um, and once again, if you haven't seen the Clone Wars, then you'll be like, no, Darth Vader is definitely like his biggest rival. But in the Clone Wars, from what I understand, and I have not seen the Clone Wars, but I understand he is a major focal point as an enemy to Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he, he is obsessed with Obi-Wan. He's obsessed with finding him. And so I would love to see Ray Park come back. There's also apparently the stuntman Tom O'Connell is slated to play a Jedi Knight in the series. So his Jedi will be a, and I'm probably going to, pronounce this wrong but as jedi will be a zebric which is the same Zabrak. species as mm -hmm. yeah which is the same species as darth maul so there's yeah. no details on his character he might actually turn out to be an inquisitor which are pretty much the villains in this series um but he is currently slated to play a jedi knight so i'm intrigued to see if there'll be any type of canon like if he'll be somebody from episode three or if he'll kind of be like a youngling that's grown up or something yeah i think I think Darth Maul is a character that will probably show up um, in live-action Star Wars at some point. Whether they do a sequel to Kenobi, um, whether they bring him in in another way. I mean, obviously you've got Ahsoka showed up and she was from the Clone Wars. Um, I actually haven't finished Clone Wars, um, but I'm a ways into it. And it, there's a lot more details on where Darth Maul came from, the Zabrex. Um, but I know one thing is Dave Filoni ha is very careful to make sure that he preserves original Star Wars canon and ties things into the movies. Um, the Clone Wars, I believe, is seven seasons. Uh, General Grievous is a main villain in that, and obviously Anakin and Obi-Wan are two of the main protagonists in the show. And so one thing that um, my brother told me is that Dave Filoni purposefully never made 
Anakin and General Grievous meet in the Clone Wars just so that in episode three, when Grievous says, um, he, he says, General Skywalker, you're shorter, you know, or Grievous says, General Grievous, you're shorter than I expected. He, he does that just so that line doesn't get devalued in any way where they met beforehand. Mm. So that's literally their first time meeting. Um, so if you haven't seen the Clone Wars, I'm sure that will be, that will stay true to Kenobi and, and Kenobi will stay true to the original films, obviously, but they're definitely painstakingly detailed when it comes to preserving all of the Star Wars lore and the storyline. So there won't be any crossover. So if with Darth Maul coming in, they would have to make sure they're careful that it doesn't diminish the Clone Wars or interrupt the story they're telling. So I, if they're bringing in Vader instead, I think that's better. <laughs> personally yeah that's a good point but it's also gonna it, I, I think oh sorry i think about um in a new hope when vader says we meet again at last it doesn't mean that they haven't met since mustafar it just means they haven't met in a while so i i was thinking about that when i i knew about that dave filoni you know commitment to detail i was like okay they have room for them to meet um and probably set it up so whatever happens in kenobi will be the last time they meet until new hope so yeah, that's. I, I was actually watching a video today where they were talking about that, like all the dialogue in in the fourth film, A New Hope, mm-hmm. and how there's there's actually quite an open door yeah. for a storyline because the, I mean, really, the only two things that Darth Vader says that could be kind of like seen as, "Hey, don't mess with this," is he's like, "I haven't." He's like, "I I feel something, something along the lines of, I feel something that I haven't felt a sense in of presence I've time. not felt in a long time." I think is what he says. Yep. So. So he says that, and then he says like something in regards to when he is actually facing Obi Wan. Like last time you saw me, I was the student, but the learner. And now, I'm, now I am the master. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So and and that is so broad. So it's not saying yeah. like, hey, last time you saw me, I was you know in the peak of my prime, and now I'm just even better. It's like he's not saying that, and mm-hmm. so I, I really like that. And um, Obi Wan or not Obi Wan? Sorry, I keep saying them by their their character's name. Ewan McGregor, uh, when he was doing an interview. Uh, for obi-wan he's like when i saw um when i saw hayden christensen as anakin again he's like i i saw no years pass he's like it it literally felt like i was looking at hayden from 2005 and what that tells me is that there's either going to be a lot of flashbacks there's either going to be a lot of visions but we're going to see hayden christensen as anakin skywalker and not just this burnt bald darth vader out of his helmet, you know, I, I'm excited to see Hayden Christensen because he genuinely doesn't look like he's aged much, and neither no. does Ewan McGregor. They both look phenomenal. Yeah, they and, both look about where they would be age-wise in real time yeah. if this, when this story takes place. So it's perfect. Yeah, and I know that uh, I, I know that we we had talked about this individually, but I don't know if we mentioned this on any of our podcasts. But when Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen first met to come to do this season to do the series again. Um, apparently it was like the first time that they've actually been in person for a while, but they do talk pretty often. Yeah. And they said they just walked in a park, they had their masks on and they said that they caught up and, and Ewan McGregor defines it as spine tingling because of how amazing it was to catch up with Hayden Christensen. And that to me, just like, it's like giving me chills cause I'm so excited for them to be on screen together. And I love seeing how much they enjoy working with each other and just their commitment to this franchise and making it great. And Ewan McGregor had a great line where he said, I think this is a great opportunity for us to realize how many people genuinely appreciated our work because 
for the longest time, people have bagged on the prequels. They said how terrible they are. <laughs> They've only liked the original four, five, six. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to see how amazing he did, you know, as an individual character portrayal, but also how well they actually did with the prequels compared to some other projects that have been worked on. Yeah, I'm excited as well. Um, I mean, for you and I, we grew up with those those prequels were our generations of Star Wars, right? You have the, the OG trilogy, mm-hmm. 4, 5, and 6. Then when we grew up, sort of the millennial generation, that was sort of our Star Wars as 1, 2, and 3. And then they made 7, 8, and 9, which we don't talk about. So, you know, now it's, you know, the, the <laughs> Disney Plus shows. And, um, you know, Rogue One, I think, was really cool. Um, but it didn't bring back any new characters, which I was okay with. I actually think that made it a better film. But... Um, it is exciting to see sort of tie-ins and I know there's a, there's, there's some fun stuff they can do with the Clone Wars now that they've openly bridged that gap. So I, you know, the Kenobi storyline is still a little bit of a mystery. Obviously it looks like he's on the run. They're trying to find him. He's trying to protect Luke. You know, obviously he's not going to be able to stay in Tatooine and, and babysit Luke the entire show. And, you know, as much as we'd love to see that, (laughs) but I think... and to your to your point, sorry, just real quick, because no. I think this was actually one of John Favreau's biggest concerns with the original story is that it was that it was him watching over Luke, almost like Mando watched over Grogu in the Mandalorian season, and he definitely did not want that parallel. He didn't right. want it to be pretty much a rerun of the Mandalorian. He's like, no, we need this to be completely original and very different from what you know our audience have already seen, and I think that's kind of the problem with Boba Fett is. People are watching it, and during the first four episodes, you're like, wow, I actually think I'm liking this. I'm getting invested. I'm starting to grow my passions. And then they went right back into a storyline that you're already familiar with, one that you've already seen pretty much. And that, I think, drew some audiences away, myself included, mm-hmm. to thinking about the quality of that season and that TV show. So, Yeah, uh, I... I'm interested to see how much, obviously Darth Vader isn't going to be in there and they've released a screenshot of him, which is very reminiscent of the Empire Strikes Back where he's standing at the top of the uh, carbonite freezing chamber when Luke first walks in. Um, So he's going to be in there as Darth Vader, but obviously Hayden Christensen is playing him. You don't necessarily need Hayden Christensen to be in the Darth Vader suit, although if they want to do that, that's fine. So that makes me also think there might be some flashbacks Um, One thing I appreciated about Boba Fett was showing that flashback to when Grogu was, you know, in the Jedi Temple during Order 66. So I think I'm hoping they do a little bit more of that just so that we can see sort of more into that event because it was so big. And we sort of get that montage of different Jedi dying and obviously Obi-Wan and Yoda break in and they change the transmission so that, you know, no more Jedi keep coming. So it would be cool to get more context in that situation and see a little bit more about it. So overall, lots of exciting stuff. You just sparked something that I learned literally like eight months ago and I totally forgot about, but I, and I had no idea what type of context this was going to be in, but I had read that they were reshooting the, the scenes at the, the Jedi temple where Anakin is killing younglings and they were actually a little bit more explicit and a little bit more raw with these with these scenes. And I had no idea why they were doing it. I was like, I don't know where they would use this context. Are they gonna like kind of redefine episode three? Are they gonna redo it? Now, so that tells me there might actually be a huge possibility that they use this as a flashback Dang. in the Obi-Wan series. So that's actually, I can't believe that you just sparked that, that thought that 
I read it from. And I was That's like, a good nugget. I'd like to see. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see where I read that because I remember reading it. And I was so confused because I was like, wow, are they going to remaster the the prequels and just kind of like add things, kind of like they did with uh, four, five, six. And by the way, for anybody who doesn't know, and I say this because I didn't really know. For anybody who doesn't know who Dave Filoni is, he's quite the he's quite the the presence in the Star Wars world. Um, he pretty much wrote all of the Clone Wars, um, mm-hmm. Star Wars, the, the the Clone Wars. He wrote um, some Star Wars Rebels, um, The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, and also kind of a random nugget, he wrote many episodes for Avatar: The Last Airbender, the the animated TV series, which is also very beloved. So. He definitely has a great reputation. So him working alongside John Favreau is not a bad call because John Favreau, for those who also don't know, he's very big in Marvel. He's very big in kind of the world of acting, but he's the one who pretty much created The Mandalorian and Boba Fett. So he also has quite the leg in the Star Wars franchise. So those two working together, I, I trust their vision and what they're going for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, lots of exciting stuff in Star Wars. Um, did you have anything else related to Star Wars? I think. For me, that's it right now. No, and I think that's it. I think that's it. It's definitely exciting, but you know, I I guarantee we'll get some more stuff. You know, the closer we get to May twenty fifth, is that when it's coming out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure we'll get some more nuggets. And by the way, for I once again, I also didn't know this until last year or two years ago, but um, I never realized that they always release a teaser trailer and then they'll release the main trailer. The teaser trailer does not share anything about the plot or at least it keeps you kind of confused. And then the main trailer, the point of it is to give you kind of a mini plot mm-hmm. to show you kind of where the direction of this show or this film is going to go. So definitely expect a full trailer for Obi-Wan within the next month or so. Um, and that will give us a little bit more detail on the plot and probably a, a first glimpse at uh, Hayden Christensen's Darth Vader. So, Yeah, as long as it has Duel of the Fates, it will be a good trailer. If it does not, it will not be as good as this first trailer. That is all I can the, say. So. <laughs> the score, the score made the entire teaser trailer. The Absolutely. entire teaser trailer was made off of the score. Yep, yep. John John Williams is just batting a hundred right now, and he, at ninety years old. So, yeah. If you haven't seen crazy. it, dude, you're probably okay. living under a rock. But go watch it. Uh, I've seen it yes. at least yeah. 10, 15 times, specifically because of the score tying it all together. So super super yeah. exciting to see that and and hopefully that carries into the actual film because the duel of fates hasn't been used um other than episode one and a little bit of episode three um, and it also had you know anakin's theme and things like that in there so super exciting um star wars is definitely on the rise right now yeah dude what about dune should we jump into some dune stuff because there's a lot going on with dune right yep, now Yeah, let's jump into dune we've got dune 2 and maybe dune 3 so yeah, it's it's almost like Dune 3 was confirmed before Dune 2 was even fully scripted, which by the way, I believe they they posted today that they have a script in hand. Like mm-hmm. it's it's done, it's ready, it's good yep. to go. I think they're they're currently in pre-production so they're planning out um all the sets and they're planning out exactly what they want it to look like. So the script is ready, which is awesome. But yeah, to what Roger said, um to my understanding, Dune 3 is pretty much already confirmed. Um so I know that Director Denis Villeneuve, he teased the third film and he said that he'd want to make it off of the the sequel novel called Dune Messiah. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about this is it takes place 12 years later. And right. he said that he'd be very willing to stop filming after the second film and, and literally pause for years to allow Timothy Chalamet to grow older for that character's role, which is quite the devotion and would create quite the buzz. But 
co-writer um, John Spates also said that he would be willing to watch seven Dune films. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, are they going to do three and make that kind of span over the course of 10 years, you know, allow Timothy Chalamet to get a little bit older? Or are they going to make five, six, seven films and kind of recreate this modern day Star Wars franchise in the Dune world, in the Dune universe? So, and, you know, Florence Pugh was announced as uh, Prince Irulan. Prince Irulan. Princess Irulan. Yeah. Um, Actually, yeah. I, I forget what it's called. Um, Brandon Sanderson does this too, but the beginning of every chapter in Dune has like a little, ah, there's, a, there's a name for it, but it's almost like an out of context quote from the chapter. It's not someone in the actual chapter. Um, so like the first, it'll say like, uh, you know, journal entry from so-and-so, and then they're talking about something like, oh, my father was like a visionary man, but he had his flaws. And then it's like, and now here's the story. Like every chapter has a little mm, excerpt. Okay. And so in the book, Princess Irulan is the, well, this is a spoiler, but there's a little excerpt at the beginning of every chapter in Dune from someone who's talking about these events and you don't know who it is. It turns out to be this Princess Irulan who actually shows up at the end of the book, um, which is why she would be coming in because she's in part two. Um, and so that's the character that it is. Um she, I won't spoil much about where, what her role is and things like that, but if you ever read the books, I apologize, that's a spoiler. That's her talking at the beginning of each chapter in that little excerpt before the chapter starts. Um, hmm. But Dune... Yeah, I, I read, I, I learned quite a bit of information about this character, which mm-hmm. kind of blew my mind. Like, yeah. I am now very, very, very intrigued with the direction that they're going to take this film because it completely changed everything I thought was going to happen. Yes, there's the the ending to Dune is pretty cool. Um, I I've read the book again. Um, I haven't read the series. There's actually nine books in the Dune series, and that's just the that? main. That's Frank Herbert's Dune. There's still like I think I could be wrong, but there's upwards of like twenty, maybe twenty twenty plus. Really, total books in know- the Dune universe, but not all of them are written by Frank Herbert. Actually, a lot were written by Brian Herbert, his son. Um, okay, because I thought he just wrapped up the ninth one or his last one. Because I know that Frank Herbert passed away, and I thought yes. his son finished that one. I did. Did he make more? Yeah, he made more like side stories and and things like that. So there's oh, a lot of content okay. there. Um, fun fact okay. about Frank Herbert is he he was a mer- very much a world builder. So like Tolkien was a world builder in the sense that he loved to create languages. So he created stories and worlds as an excuse to put in you know his Elvish and black speech and all those things from lord of the rings all those languages that's that was his true passion Hmm. um the wheel of time if you've seen that on amazon prime or read those books um robert jordan was a world builder he loved to create these dynamic and deep and immersive worlds um frank herbert was the same he liked to create worlds and so he created dune and then he was like cool moving on to the next thing and then people loved it so much that the you know the publishers came back and they're like can you make another one and he's like, uh, you know, I don't really want to, uh, I want to make something new cause that's what I like to do. And they're like, well, we'll give you a bunch of money. And he's like, all right, I'll do it. But I'm going to jump it forward <laughs> and like basically still world build, but bring in a couple more characters that, you know, um, yeah. And they kind of repeated that cycle. So like most of the books, I believe if not all of them are like a significant amount of time in the future. Um, so it's not like you know, Star Wars four, five, and six, where it's like, okay, these characters, and then right after, and then right after, it's like these characters, and then a ways away. 
and then a ways away. And he tries to bring in new characters and sort of change the world and the dynamic to create like a fresh world building experience, which is what he enjoyed. So um, if they do mm. Dune, if they do do Dune Messiah, um, then I would expect to see it be ex a lot different as far as like the world and things like that. Um, even if it retains Timothy Chalamet and some of the other actors. Um, but again, I haven't read those books, so I don't know quite where the story goes. But if they do it, then I will read Dune Messiah and, and get up to date on that. Well, it's it's one of the very few adaptations, on-screen adaptations, where you focus way more on the, the cinematic environment than the actual characters. And Which I think that's been one written. of the major... Yeah, yeah. So I remember mm -hmm. us talking about it in our Dune review. You're like, hey... right. At the end of the day, I wasn't the biggest fan of the book, but I feel like it was written very specifically for how Frank Herbert wanted this this world to be perceived. He wanted mm -hmm. to build worlds. He didn't want to develop characters as much, right? That's right. not saying that he didn't develop characters, but he Correct. pretty much, just like the film, you jump into Paul Atreides' life. You don't know much about how he got to where he is or what's going on. You, can kind, you, you play with it and you kind of learn as you go, but with most films or most TV series or whatever the case is, there's a steady understanding to where you're getting to with certain characters, and you just don't get that in Dune. So it was definitely intriguing. I think it's it's worth noting that Austin Butler, who's a name that's kind of growing with the trends right now, he's he's portraying Elvis in the new Elvis biopic right. in this summer. He's rumored, I know that he's in serious conversation right now with um, with Dune, that he'll be playing the uh, major villain in this in this role. So once again, I don't know the story. I didn't read the book, so I'm not spoiling anything. I just know that he was, you know, that was kind of the rumors that he's slated to play the major villain. Yeah. So that villain actually, um, and this isn't necessarily a spoiler, but he's the nephew of um, the Baron. So uh, he's okay. actually in there from the beginning in the book. So he. Oh. Yeah, he was in there from actually the first, I believe the second scene with the Baron, he's in there. And so the Baron's kind so of like... So they just left him out. They totally left him out. So they're, he, he's actually like kind of a, a major player in this story. Um, so he, it's interesting that they chose to leave him out or um, at least not focus on him that much. So he did have more of a big, big part in the second half of the book, but um, he's sort of this like young... Not necessarily prodigy, but he's like the Baron's family. He's sort of like the oldest, you know, male in the family. And so the Baron's sort of preparing to groom him for sort of his future role in the, with the Baron's family and sort of in, in the universe. So um, he's sort of groomed as that character. And, and you can kind of see a little bit of the ruthlessness, a little bit of the villainy. But the Baron remains the main villain throughout the entire book. Like he's the, mm, he is the okay. one. Um, so... I would expect to see, you know, maybe bring that character in and sort of ramp them up real quick so that they have the meaningful exchange that happens at the end of the book with that character. But again, the Baron is the main character in the book, at least as Frank Herbert wrote it. So I would assume that would stay true since they tried to stay true to the book throughout the movie. Um, but bring, well, I, I was wondering what, when they would get to that because there's a pretty significant he's pretty integral to the ending of the book um, as is princess irulan so those characters really didn't show up or have much mention so i was kind of interested to see if they would bring them in because i was like i don't know how you end this end this story without them so 
Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I was wondering. To see. I, I was wondering why Austin Butler looked so familiar. I'm on his IMDb right now. Of course, he's going to be playing Elvis, and I think this is going to be his kind of turning point to try to become this. Maybe not full A-list actor, but to become this well-known actor for his talents. But if you've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he plays Tex, which is one of the main antagonists in the in the film, um, which makes complete sense. So um, if you've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that's Austin Butler. He plays Tex, um, and he'll be playing Elvis this summer, and he'll be in Dune. And I don't know if he has any projects after that. Um, not slated. I mean, Masters, Masters of the Air, which is a TV miniseries, but I don't know much about that. So keep an eye out for that. A lot of interesting things happening with the Dune world right now. John Spates, who's the co-writer, has also been slated with the responsibility um, to invest, quote, investigate other cinematic prospects in the Dune universe. So what that tells me is that he's pretty much saying... I need to look through all these other Dune novels and sequels and sequel novels and whatever the case is to see how many of these things we can make and make them high quality. So kind of an intriguing thing. Do you have anything else regarding Dune? Uh, actually, yeah, just to correct myself. So um, the do you remember the name of the character Austin Butler is supposed to be portraying? Because the, um, the nephew on, of the see. Baron is actually the character Dave Bautista plays. So I got that mixed up. I, I thought they were saying it was going to be him. Oh, okay. Florence okay. Pugh hasn't showed I, up. Um, she, her character Fude wasn't... Rotha. Thade Rolfa. Oh, oh, okay. Thade okay. Rotha. Thade Rolfa. Yeah, so that's actually a different character. Um, okay. I apologize. So Dave Bautista is the is the nephew of the Baron. So he, that's that's Okay. I, I was confusing that makes myself. Sense. That makes sense. But yes, okay. so no, yeah, that, that lines up. Okay, my apologies. Cool. No, <laughs> that's good, man. I wouldn't have known, to be completely honest. Um, dude, I, I feel like I just need to mention Oppenheimer real quick because yes. I feel like they keep adding. <laughs> they literally yeah. keep adding people that are so massive. It's almost becoming a Wes Anderson film because of how many big names they have. Um, but I'm going to pull them up right now. It's insane. I've seen the graphic of yeah. like, there's like 24 people that are like notable actors that are had joined it. And it's at this point, it's going to be like that picture they took at the Oscars, that selfie with everybody in it as like Brad Cooper and, and all these people. And, Meryl Streep. It's just going to end up being like all of Hollywood's just going to be an Oppenheimer at some point. It's it's absolutely nuts. I mean, I think some of the biggest names that you could mention, um, Florence Pugh, Killian Murphy, Kenneth Branagh. I mean, I, I, I should probably give some preface to this. I mean, Florence Pugh is, is pretty much known for Little Women. She plays in the new Black Widow. She's the sister. Mm-hmm. Killian Murphy, best known for Peaky Blinders. He's also in many of Christopher Nolan's films. He plays Scarecrow in Batman Begins. He's also in Dunkirk. Inception. Um, Inception. Yeah, he's in many things. Kenneth Branagh is probably, in my opinion, one of the biggest names. He probably won't stand out as one of the biggest names for other people. Mm-hmm. But he's the main antagonist in Tenant. He also wrote and directed Belfast. He also wrote and or directed and starred in Death on the Nile. Uh, and Murder on the Orient Express. And, mm-hmm. and Murder on the Orient Express. He's just he's become such a massive name. Oh, and by the way, he directed the original Thor. Um, Emily Blunt, known as, you know, the wife of of John Krasinski. She's also in A Quiet Place. She's in Mary Poppins. (laughs) She's so big. (laughs) Yeah, Matt Damon, I don't think I need to explain what he's in. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., I don't need to explain what he's in. Kind of crazy that this was more recent than not. Josh Peck uh, from Drake and Josh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
That is such an interesting one for me. I don't know. I mean, I have not seen him act in anything recently. Um, but also, same with Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett is, in my opinion, best known for Pearl Harbor. He plays Danny mm-hmm. in Pearl Harbor. I haven't seen him in anything recently. So there's just so many massive names, but I, I'm sure there's quite a bit to talk about. Yeah, this this is going to be a movie that is definitely a contender for Oscars. Absolutely. Like, it, I think the expectations are at least that, I think. You know, it's going to be massive. The cast is amazing. You know, it's it's the storyline is intriguing. So um, it's going to be, I think it's going to be fantastic. But just the list keeps growing, right? It's This is as mo- recent as, was it this week, last week? You know, these names are popping up. So it's it's just growing. So big expectations for that. Excited to see how it turns out. Yeah, so this is actually the sixth collaboration between Killian Murphy and Christopher Nolan. So he was in Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, Inception, The Dark Knight Rises, and Dunkirk. So I actually didn't, I, I totally spaced that he's in all three Batmans. Yeah, he was the um, Scarecrow. Um, he did show up briefly in the third one um, and the second one. So Yeah, I'm excited. I need to find this... Um, Oh, okay. This is the this is the little tidbit I was looking for that I read. So, for the first time ever, a black and white IMAX analog camera will be used for multiple scenes throughout this film. And of course, give it to Christopher Nolan to be the first to introduce something that has never been done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my my number one not concern, but my number one question is, I mean, this is about the father of the atomic bomb. So that's by the way, Robert Oppenheimer is the one who's essentially the creator of the atomic bomb. And then he like, reg- I mean, if I understand this correctly, he like regrets like sharing that information. So it's kind of like him trying to stop the the release of the atomic bomb. But how are they going to use that in special effects? Because Christopher Nolan is so practical with his special effects. And I'm like, are they just going to do some massive explosion in the middle of nowhere? Like, I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, I, I mean... I would expect him to drop an actual atomic bomb if, if it were possible to do that safely. But <laughs> God, that's terrible. like I said, if it were to be safe, you're right. If you could replicate that effect, you know, I don't know. But I, I'm sure there will be, they'll they'll find a way to do it. I, I'm I have no doubt. But yeah, that's I a tall order. I do know that the the chief, uh, who's it? I, I don't know her role. She's like. She's she's pretty much like CEO of Universal Studios or she's in some major executive role and she was talking about the adaptation of Oppenheimer compared to Warner Brothers because Christopher Nolan always goes to he he's used Warner Brothers since 2002. Right. And she's like I she's like I don't know much about the specifics of his decision to leave but he, she's like I'm I'm excited for him to join you know Universal and what we do here we make things exceptionally practical and she's like and I did read the script recently and she's like it's one of if not the best scripts I've ever read which to my surprise there is no surprise it's Christopher Nolan of course if he's going to make a film it's going to be exceptionally thought out I remember having this conversation with you not on the podcast about Tenet and the, them preparing Tenet and how Robert Pattinson was like, I cannot believe this script. It's it's literally the most diverse, unique script. I still don't understand it, but it's so amazing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Like, what does that even mean? Like, you're filming this and you don't even know what's happening. So, yeah, it's. I think great things are coming from that that film. I agree. I agree. Yeah, there's cool. Yeah, we've talked about a lot of stuff, and and there's so much else going on that, you know, 
just there's no time. There's no time to talk about it all. Yeah, there, <laughs> there really is no time. We're I choosing feel like the best stuff. as like a last as like a last tidbit. I got I got to say that Deadpool three is finally like heading somewhere. Um, I know so many fans of Deadpool were like, "Is this ever being made?" You know, Ryan Reynolds announced his his acting hiatus back in October of 2021, even though he's now slated for six films, and that's not including the two that are already done, you know, mm-hmm. The Adam Project and uh, Spirited. So, like, he's not done. Um, Sean Levy is actually directing that film, uh, right. Deadpool 3, which I, I heavily admire his work. He's, mm-hmm. he's done a great job. I mean, whether it's Stranger Things, um, even The Adam Project, his old work, like Night of the Museum or Big Fat Liar. He's done Real Steel. He did Free Guy, which came out this last year, right. which was one of my favorites. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for that. I just wanted to let you know everybody know that Deadpool 3 did gain some traction and it's, it's presumed to come out next summer, even though there is no release date yet. Right, yeah. Um, have you seen The Atom Project yet? No, I've heard really, really good things. I started so, it, and I'm about halfway through, and I, I honestly have to say it's really good so far. So yeah. maybe I'll do a yeah. popcorn review on that one. But um, Hey, that'd be great. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Because be I've, I've heard really, really good things about it. Yeah, it, um, you know, it, it obviously it has Ryan Reynolds. It's got Mark Ruffalo. It's got uh, Jennifer Garner. Um, and uh, Zoe Saldana, um, who plays Gamora. Oh, so interesting i didn't big, know that actually i didn't know she was in it mm-hmm. so it's a big cast um or like big oh, names and, in the cast and kind of a t- kind of a, a little nugget the kid apparently who plays his younger self like he he knows deadpool 2 or deadpool like word for word like he literally knows the entire script and the entire film and that kind of like i don't know if it helped but it kind of like made an impression on him starring as the younger version in that film. Yeah, so you can check that out. I believe it's on Ryan Reynolds' social media. It's either on YouTube or on his Instagram, but you can watch him. He's sort of sitting in a car with his phone and he's holding it so that the kid's in the back seat and he's just reciting Deadpool and Ryan Reynolds is just kind of making a Ryan Reynolds face. But um, when you watch the movie, um, that kid seemed like the way that he acts and the way that he talks, you can tell he's definitely like inspired by ryan reynolds you know he's kind of got that quippy quick you know straight-faced humor um there's like it's not really a spoiler but there's a quick line where a bully's got him and he's like he's like dang where'd you get that line like an amazon bully kit or something like that he just like kind of casually says it like and you're laughing (laughs) but it's like you think oh this is something ryan reynolds would have probably said in this situation so um he does a great job the kid actually does a really good job usually child actors you know have to Usually, in my opinion, they're some of the weakest parts of these big movies. But for him, so far, from what I've seen, he does a good job. So check that out if yeah. you haven't seen it. It's pretty good. Um, cool. Yeah. I mean, that. I think those are all pretty big updates. Um, uh, I mean, I Am Legend is coming back, too. But, like, I mean, I, once again, there's so many things we could talk about. But, yeah, I Am Legend's coming back, so that's one to keep an eye out for as well. Um, if you haven't, I actually have not, but if you have not, there is an alternate edding, ending to the original film. I know that the ending was a little bit controversial. I'm not going to say anything for anybody who has not seen I Am Legend, even though it came out, what, 15 years ago? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, yeah, yeah, there's an alternate ending. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, I. I actually read the book for that one too and it was a very 
diff it was similar but very different in, as well um, from the from the movie so it maybe they'll change it up a little bit make it a little darker because the book was way darker than the movie um yeah so. and they and you gotta think special effects have improved cgi's improved um i know that michael b jordan will be coming on to, mm -hmm. to co-star and co-produce this film with will smith which will actually be their first time on screen together they've never been in a film together so yeah that'll be cool the, I'm not the biggest fan of Michael B. Jordan. I think he's had some great work, but I think he also kind of dips his toes into some cheap thrills. But I, they are big names, and Will Smith has had a phenomenal year in King Richard. So I, I'm excited to see what they do. I mean, it was definitely a huge film. It made, I believe, over 600,000 or 600 million, or just it grossed just under 600 million. So it's no surprise to me why they're wanting to make another one because if you make that much money, there's always room for a sequel. So, yep. And that's uh, again, you know, you mentioned World War Z, not not on not on the air, but um, World War Z's. Are they doing a sequel? Was it? So they they so I believe it was two years ago. It popped up on IMDb on, under Brad Pitt for World War Z sequel, but then I actually don't know if it's still there. So I, it had to have been like a maybe a rumored circumstance, but I know that that's been in the conversation that it's going to come back. But right now. It's not on. Uh, it's not on Brad Pitt's IMDb, so I, I don't okay. know if it's gonna make any appearance. World War Z two. Yeah, there's. Yeah. Just a couple quick things off the top of my head before we we end up we close up, but you know, just so many trailers coming out. Obviously, you mentioned Kenobi. There's The Boys season three that popped up. Um, there's uh, the Puss in Boots trailer that just popped up for the sequel to that. Um, there's The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent with Nicolas Cage, big trailer for that just dropped. Miss um, Marvel's just came out today. Miss Marvel's trailer dropped today. So, so many different things popping up um, right now. Again, we're sort of gearing up, all the trailers are coming out for these big summer releases that are coming along. Um, and then Moon Knight, you know, there's been final trailers for that and they're starting to do their little shorts leading up to the show. Uh, so heading into you know the rest of march the end of march i think is where it's going to start picking up april's got some good stuff going on um, lots of tv shows that are going on or starting up you know summer's going to be chock full fall and into winter so we're going to have our hands full with stuff covering um, and also all the news you know like you said dune star wars you know all the things we've talked about today um, they just continue to build and build and build oppenheimer the cast is growing you know all these things you know you know shazam 2 uh going up against avatar 2 at the end of the year um who's gonna win uh so <laughs> <laughs> i think it's avatar but uh so many just so much going on you know it's so exciting to be you know covering this and and following it closely and and talking about it and sharing content on it let us know if there's anything you're excited for that we missed anything you want to hear more about you know spencer's doing his tiktoks we've got our instagram account um at without a mic where we're posting stillers and releases. So you can kind of go there for a condensed update on what's happening in the industry. We've got the Oscars around the corner. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, lots of exciting stuff going on right now. Yeah, and I know you're watching Severance yep. right now, but are, do you have any other recommendations? Because I know the film world has been pretty dry. I mean, I know Fresh just came out on Hulu. The Adam Project just came out on Netflix. But in regards to theater releases, and I don't blame anybody because the Batman's out, but there has not been any major releases. So do you have any uh, recommendations? Yeah, so um, actually it's not 
necessarily new, but my wife and I, we watched uh, Haunt, The Haunting of Hill House this past weekend, um, which is great. It's great. And we just it's started great. The Haunting of Blind Manor, which is the sequel. Um, the stories aren't related at all, but the, they brought back a lot of the same cast to act in it. Um, so mm, Blind Manor, okay. um, it's, it's not as jump scare as Haunting of Hill House, but it's a little bit more... Um, delves more into the ghosts and sort of their motivations whereas in the first one they were sort of just okay. there to be kind of scary and ominous and and i feel like so far blind manor is a lot more like this ghost is scary because of who they are not because they just jump out and stuff like that so um mm. severance ongoing crazy crazy show like it's so original I actually haven't started it. So I well I started it, but I haven't I haven't picked it Keep up since. Keep with it like and I I need to. Like, I know. I it it's hard to de- describe the feeling, but just you just have to watch it. Um we'll try to articulate that in our review of it, but um one of the most original ideas I've seen in a long time. Um and it just gets crazier and and stranger and more amazing as you go. So Keep up with that. I believe episode, I think it's six, is coming out this Friday. So, so stay on that. It should finish up in uh, mid-April. There's nine episodes in that series. Um, and as far as that goes, Hill House. That um, is there anything else I've been watching? I watched the Adam Project. Um, like I said, I'm I'm halfway through it, so I should finish that up this week. Um, I started and haven't finished the wa- the Lost Daughter yet as well. Um, so that's another one. So oh, I'm, I'm in the okay. middle of that. Um, it's a little, it's a little bit slower, but, um, Olivia Coleman's an incredible actress. So just seeing her perform, um, I know that, uh, in an, in an interview, one of her co-stars was like, I've seen great acting and then you see Olivia Coleman and it's, it's another experience. So, um, I enjoyed her and Bro- that's why she's on yeah. my top 10. She's on my she top 10 right is now on another level. So, you know, watching it, it, it's got some you know some underlying issues and things like that that are coming up in it so um not a show but a movie um and then like i said there's there's not a lot of shows going on right now i'm more so using this time to kind of catch up on things but you know we've got the boys season three coming up we've got stranger things coming up we've got moon knight coming up we've got miss marvel coming up we've got um kenobi coming up so heading into these next couple months we're gonna have a lot more ongoing shows but right now the big one for me is definitely still severance um are you watching anything right now movies tv yeah um yeah so i'm trying to kind of delve in which by the way this made me think of a major major it's a rumor but so will smith came out and he said my son he he wouldn't say what it was but he's like my son is preparing mentally and physically to be a major character in a saga that has never been done before. And so that tells me that he potentially might be playing Miles Morales in the MCU because it's never been done before live action, which I don't know if I'd be a huge fan of. I haven't seen Jaden Smith in you know a film for a long time. However, I trust Marvel. And if they were to go that route, um, I, I think they would, they would make the right choice. But once again, that's a rumor. But from what Will Smith was saying, a lot of people are taking that as, oh, my God, he's going to be Miles Morales. Um, so with that being said, I have been watching uh, Bel Air. So Ken's and oh, I nice. have been watching Bel Air, which is pretty much just like the modern adaptation of the French pr- the French How Prince of Bel Air. And it's, it's 
oddly refreshing. Mm. Like it's so good. Like they use the same, so they have the same characters, but they dive in so much deeper into like the reality and the drama. And it's very much a more serious adaptation. It's not, he's comical, but the series is not comical. It's very much more of an intense series, but it's, it's very enjoyable. And if you watched The Fresh Prince growing up, there's a lot of nostalgia just to like what they do and the characters' names, but not necessarily like the story. So I, I highly recommend it. I mean, so far we're, I think we're on episode okay. four. Uh, they're hour long episodes and I think they're, they've, they've impressed us. Is that on a point. weekly release schedule um, or film is wise, it, like it, I said, it come out all at once? It was, but yeah, it was, but now it's okay. all out. So it's, it's on HBO okay, Max. So you can just binge it. Oh no, sorry. It's on Peacock. Not, not, yeah, it's on Peacock, not oh, HBO okay. Max. Oh, I did. I, I so, had one more thing, but go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're good. I know one series that I want to watch is the the Lakers, like, I, I forgot what it's called, but it's like the, it's the the TV series on HBO Max that Adam, uh, oh, what's his name? He did uh, The Big Short. He just did um, Don't Look Up. What is his name? Don't Look Up. Sorry, I'm, I'm blanking right now, but I'm, I'm grabbing it. Adam McKay. So Adam McKay, who's who's done some major films. I mean, he did, so he did Don't Look Up, he did The Other Guys, he did Vice, he did The Big Short, um, and he just barely made um, Winning Time, The Rise of the yes. Lakers Dynasty. And once again, yeah, so this is not anywhere, th there's no collaboration with the players, there's no collaboration with the, the Lakers ownership. He, pr they pretty much made this series regardless and so i'm excited because apparently there's a lot of drama to it in regards to basketball and the drug scene at the time and kind of the sex scene at the time and what was happening during the quote showtime mm -hmm. era for the lakers and if you're a basketball fan and you're a film fan adam mckay is relatively known for for high quality work so i'm excited to watch that so that's definitely on my list um but regarding films there hasn't been much that i've been looking forward to um, I, I might just be drawing a blank. I'm sure there are things that I've been wanting to watch, but I just can't think of them. I know the Adam project is up there on my list. I almost wanted to see it in theaters just cause it seems pretty cinematic. And I know Sean Levy is a decently cinematic director. Yeah. Even free guy was pretty cinematic. So, um, that's kind of on my list, but apart from that, that's, that's what I've yeah, been watching. No, it's, it's definitely top of the line production quality. It's not, it doesn't feel like a cheap Netflix movie. Like it feels like they went all out on it. And so. It doesn't feel like Red Notice. Pardon? It doesn't feel like Red Notice with uh, The Rock and Ryan Reynolds because to me that felt pretty cheap. Um, sorry, you you cut out. Say that one more time. <laughs> oh, did you did you see Ryan or did you see Red oh, Notice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Netflix. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like that. Yeah, I I was not a fan of that film because that felt like a cheap thrill to me. But it had big names, so I feel like it sold. Like it, it got people. This intrigued. one has a much better story, so halfway through than Red Notice did. Um, okay, and it's it's definitely more emotional okay, and, and um, relatable. I'll say that. Um, okay, good. But the other thing good. I was wa I wanted to bring up was I've been watching. I mentioned this before, but I I finally got around to starting um, the Shrink Next Door, which is. Uh, it's Paul Rudd oh. and Will Ferrell playing roles that you've never seen Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell play. Um, it's based off of a story that was made into a pod, a true crime podcast, which was then made into this show. It's on Apple TV plus, um, Paul Rudd plays a psychiatrist, um, 
psychiatrist with air quotes. Um, Will Ferrell plays sort of this um, this guy. He's kind of reserved. You know, his parents pass away, and he he's kind of like a timid guy who gets thrown into running the family business. He feels really insecure, um, and so he gets recommended to go check out uh, meet with a psychiatrist who ends up being Paul Rudd. Um, and it's essentially a story of manipulation. Um, and Will Ferrell plays sort of a, a bumbling, like, you know, insecure person who's trying to overcome, like, this trauma and, and, and personal issues. And Paul Rudd plays this master manipulator who is just scary good. So, they, you know, great performances by both of them. I did listen to the podcast. The show is really well done. Um, I'm forgetting her name, but the actress who plays Agatha Harkness in... Um, in uh, WandaVision. Oh, I know. Yeah, exactly she's also in it about. as I'm, as I'm his sister, it up, as Will Ferrell's. Uh, Will Ferrell plays a, a character named Marty. Cat. So Catherine Hahn. Okay, yeah. So she she that, is that's her name. she's also in it. Who plays the sister? Again, she does an amazing job. So the cast is great. The story is great. The acting's great. Um, it's really cool to see it, that range from both. Paul Rudd and Will Ferrell because they're playing stuff that they don't normally do and they do it in such a fantastic way. Um, they're both sort of funny comedy guys and in this they're playing like more darker roles of the victim and the uh, hmm. you know the manipulator so really cool. Um, about seven cool. episodes long they're about 30 to 45 minutes so not too big of an investment so but that's all I've got. Cool that's an intriguing one I've definitely seen it yeah so Awesome. Yeah, that kind of wraps up our in, our industry news bonus uh, podcast episode with a little bit of uh, or a couple recommendations towards the end. And once again, you know, like Roger said before we were wrapping up, please send us your recommendations, send us what you're watching, send us what you're listening mm-hmm. to even if you're listening to podcasts. We just love media, but obviously we're, we're big into film and TV. So keep us posted. I know that it's kind of a dry spell in the film world right now while TV's kind of picking up. But yeah, we appreciate everybody hopping on and listening. Um, we'll, yeah, we'll stay in Thanks touch. Thanks, everyone, and have a great day.